There can be no doubt, said Kay quite softly, for he was elated by the breathless attention of the meeting. In that stillness, a subdued hum was audible, which was more exciting than the wildest applause. There can be no doubt that behind all the actions of this court of justice, that is to say in my case, behind my arrest and today's interrogation, there is a great organization at work. An organization which not only employs corrupt warders, oafish inspectors, and examining magistrates, of whom the best that can be said is that they recognize their own limitations, but also has at its disposal a judicial hierarchy of high, indeed of the highest rank, with an indispensable and numerous retinue of servants, clerks, police, and other assistants, perhaps even hangmen, I do not shrink from that word. And the significance of this great organization, gentlemen? It consists in this, that innocent persons are accused of guilt and senseless proceedings are put in motion against them, mostly without effect, it is true, as in my own case. But considering the senselessness of the whole, how is it possible for the higher ranks to prevent gross corruption in their agents? It is impossible. Even the highest judge in this organization cannot resist it. So the warders try to steal the clothes off the bodies of the people they arrest. The inspectors break into strange houses, and innocent men, instead of being fairly examined, are humiliated in the presence of public assemblies. The warders mention certain depots where the property of prisoners is kept. I should like to see these depots where the hard-earned property of arrested men is left to rot, or at least what remains of it after thieving officials have helped themselves. Here Kay was interrupted by a shriek from the end of the hall. He peered from beneath his hand to see what was happening, for the reek of the room and the dim light together made a whitish dazzle of fog. It was the washerwoman, whom Kay had recognized as a potential cause of disturbance from the moment of her entrance. Whether she was at fault now or not, one could not tell. All Kay could see was that a man had drawn her into corner by the door and was clasping her in his arms. Yet it was not she who had uttered the shriek, but the man. His mouth was wide open and he was gazing up at the ceiling. A little circle had formed round them. The gallery spectators nearby seemed to be delighted that the seriousness which Kay had introduced into the proceedings should be dispelled in this manner. Kay's first impulse was to rush across the room. He naturally imagined that everybody would be anxious to have order restored and the offending couple at least ejected from the meeting. But the first rows of the audience remained quite impassive. No one stirred and no one would let him through. On the contrary, they actually obstructed him. Someone's hand, he had no time to turn around, seized him from behind by the collar. Old men stretched out their arms to bar his way. And by this time, Kay was no longer thinking about the couple. It seemed to him as if his freedom were being threatened as if he were being arrested in earnest, and he sprang recklessly down from the platform. Now he stood eye to eye with the crowd. Had he been mistaken in these people? Had he overestimated the effectiveness of his speech? Had they been disguising their real opinions while he spoke? And now that he had come to the conclusion of his speech, were they weary at last of pretense? What faces these were around him? Their little black eyes darted furtively from side to side. Their beards were stiff and brittle and to take hold of them would be like clutching bunches of claws rather than beards. But under the beards, and this was Kay's real discovery, badges of various sizes and colors gleamed on their coat collars. They all wore these badges, so far as he could see. They were all colleagues, these ostensible parties of the right and the left, and as he turned round, suddenly he saw the same badges on the coat collar of the examining magistrate, who was sitting quietly watching the scene with his hands on his knees. So cried Kay, flinging his arms in the air. His sudden enlightenment had to break out. Every man jack of you is an official, I see. 
You are yourselves the corrupt agents of whom I have been speaking. You've all come rushing here to listen and nose out what you can about me, making a pretense of party divisions, and half of you applauded merely to lead me on. You wanted some practice in fooling an innocent man. Well, much good I hope it's done you, for either you have merely gathered some amusement from the fact that I expected you to defend the innocent, or else... Keep off or I'll strike you, cried Kay, to a trembling old man who had pushed quite close to him, or else you have really learned a thing or two, and I wish you joy of your trade. He hastily seized his hat, which lay near the edge of the table, and amid universal silence, the silence of complete stupefaction, if nothing else, pushed his way to the door. But the examining magistrate seemed to have been a little quicker than Kay, for he was waiting at the door. A moment, he said. Kay paused, but kept his eyes on the door, not on the examining magistrate. His hand was already on the latch. I merely wanted to point out, said the examining magistrate, that today you may not yet have become aware of the fact, today you have flung away with your own hand all the advantages which an interrogation invariably confers on an accused man. Kay laughed still looking at the door. You scoundrels, I'll spare you future interrogations, he shouted, opened the door, and hurried down the stairs. Behind him rose the buzz of animated discussion. The audience had apparently come to life again and were analyzing the situation like expert students. <laughs>